0: Hello there, this is Daniel with Emergency Action Planning and the ACT ASAP podcast. And today I am proud to have Debbie Moorhead on the show, and she's going to discuss some very important things with us. But first, let me tell you a little bit about her. Now, Debbie Moorhead, or Deborah Moorhead, is a licensed marriage family therapist for 25 years. She's worked with thousands of our most vulnerable children and their families in the Los Angeles county foster care system. She has spoken with and trained over 10,000 people at local and national events. And she is the author of You Can't Get It Done by Doing What You Shouldn't Do. I know, what's up with that? Also, she's written a couple other books. One is Happy Life and co-author of Conscious Love, Enlightened Relationship, and Soulful Sex. Oh my God, Debbie, where we're going with that one. And she's been interviewed multiple times on NBC, CBS, and Fox TV station affiliates. So what we're going to talk about today is safety and beyond raising a resilient child. So Debbie, I want to thank you very, very much for coming and spending your time with me and talking with our people. What's happening, Debbie? And what's this whole thing about raising resilient children?
1: Danielle, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and I love what you do uh, in the world. This is really, it's about, you know, the, uh, you know, and my part, I'm going to say talking about families, right, is, is helping that family leadership, helping the parents of the family to create really the, the safe environments. And that's that's what I'm here to talk about, right? All Which right. is resilient children what you know what is it that we're talking about what is it that we're meaning right here's the things that we do know is children grow up to be happier and more successful socially emotionally in other ways when parents are or the primary caregivers are able to create uh, a, a what's called a secure attachment but what the heck does that mean? That's that's what creates those the resilient kids.
0: A so secure... one sec, you, you say a secure attachment. Does that mean like the bond between the parent and the child or wow, the caregiver and the child? Okay. Thank you. Yeah,
1: so that's exactly what we're talking about. We're really talking about a secure bond that goes because there's a bond, right? Whether whether it's secure or not, there are bonds <laughs> that happen between parents and children, right? Um, but we're really talking about what ma- what really makes a secure bond for a child. OK, and I, oh, sorry. Well, I was
0: just wondering, you know, you, you mentioned there, we all bond one way or another, the other, good, bad or indifferent. Right. So we're looking from what I understand we're looking at a way to make a positive bond, something that will be beneficial for both the parent and the child throughout their lives. Right.
1: Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, the relationship between the parent and child can go on and be a great relationship. But most importantly, and that's why I use that word resilient, right? Most importantly is what a parent does uh, in in the tini- in the tiniest little moments and in the bigger moments makes all the difference. And really what we're talking about is how the child's brain develops.
0: Okay. That's oh, yeah. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that by the time we're nine, our brain's pretty much set where it's going to be. And that yeah. means I'm way over the hill now and I've got like nothing else I can do with this plasticity up here. So yeah. when we're developing that mind, What's the parent supposed to do? I mean, there's no handbook on this, right? Did I get a handbook when my baby was born? No, I didn't.
1: Wouldn't that be nice if we all got a handbook?
0: (laughs) So how do we make this happen?
1: Yeah, I will let you know, and speaking of a book, I will let you know some of the pieces that I'm taking from and uh, do come from an amazing uh, psychiatrist that's called Dan Siegel. He's put together this entire group of uh, basically, it's it's all sorts of different people from the different fields, psychology, neuroscience, you know, sociology, all different fields to say what what works what makes people successful uh what makes people happier in life um and and he puts a lot of things together that are specifically for children so the first part of what i want to be talking about is is really it it is from his book called the power of showing up and he talks about and i just feel like it's so important and it fits into some of what you say as well around disaster management and other pieces, but I'll take it further for the emotional aspect, which is the first thing is about safety. Parents need to create a safe environment. So there's so many different elements and ways that you, you create a safe environment and that's both physically and emotionally, right? And okay. you, you do all sorts of things on the physical, but it becomes so important, you know, Oftentimes I use an example of like little, like two-year-olds are walking alongside us. We're out for a walk and they're walking alongside us and a dog starts coming towards them. Interestingly, the two-year-old doesn't look at the dog and decide what they're supposed to do or how they're supposed to feel. They look up at the parent.
0: That's right. They, they want to get their guidance from mom or dad or wherever they're walking exactly. with. So that brings up a question here. If the parent is going to create a safe environment for the child, now there's a lot of ways we can rationally think about that. Now, I know some parents I've personally spoken to about disaster planning and they will not talk to their child about it because they wanna keep their child safe from it. And I'm thinking, so when that earthquake or that hurricane happens, how are they gonna be safe if they don't know what to do? So. We have a lot of different people think differently on this concept. So what direction should they get? Should they discuss these dangers that are in their life? Should they ignore them and bubble wrap their child? And hopefully someday the child will figure it out. Or what what are we going to do here?
1: Uh, you do not want to bubble wrap them. And you also do not want to overwhelm them with information that is beyond their developmental stage. Right, okay. Right, so it's right in the in-between space. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, working with one um, a woman who's, whose mother had an anxious, uh, an- an- anxiousness. Um, okay. And her anxiousness in particular was around the idea And I don't know, it probably came from her child somewhere, uh, but the anxiousness was around when you're out walking around, a white van can come and take you away. And she sent that message, that fear message and that message to her children. Right. Uh, Right. That's an overwhelming. Is there a reality about that there are bad people in the world that, that may try to kidnap you or something like that? Yes. But... Are you going to keep? Are you going to keep making that child feel your anxiety constantly about that every time they're out and about? That's not very helpful for the child.
0: Well, but that's what's made the uh, the human race survive this long. We've had this nervous nelly that lives in the back of our brain, and every time we hear that rustle in the bush or we see that bright yellow thing with black stripes hiding in the far away, we we get this little thing going in in our brain. It's normal. It's part of human nature, right? But what you're saying is just don't overwhelm with fear, 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 fear. There's things to look out for because eventually every white van that drives by is going to scare the kid to death, right? Right. And not all weirdos drive white vans. So how do we balance that whole issue? How do we let that nervous nelly out with the child and still educate them as opposed to making them fearful?
1: Yeah. So that's, so that's exactly what we want to do. So I'm going to go back to that little two-year-old that sees the dog and looks up at the parent, what to do, right? Mm -hmm. The parent's job is not to have this, oh, dog, oh, no, yo, we're going, right? Because then that's going to communicate that to the child. But A parent's job is to keep the child safe physically, right? right? So a parent's job would be to to do something. on And this goes right along with what you're talking about, Daniel. A parent's job would be to be able to, you know, kind of lean down and, you know, scoop the little two-year-old up. So they're up and out of the dog's way and go, oh, look at that cute little doggy. And then the parent, you know, tests, you know, is this dog safe or is it growling or what What do we need to do, right? But to not, to keep the child safe, right? But to not overwhelm them with, with the fear. And that's exactly what we want to do, you know, going with, with disaster management that you do. We want to help children to know that, we live in California, and there might be earthquakes. Right? I mean, that's why do we, and in schools, we have earthquake drills, right? So, so when we actually do it, it, actually, believe it or not, sometimes I often think about children and safety. Is is what children need is is uh, containment. They need choices, but they need containment. Right. right. That's what makes them feel safe. So when 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 they when there is possibly going to be an earthquake or when you're teaching child, again, it's at the developmental stage for them um, and and how you would talk to them about it. But for them to know that, hey, we've got all these emergency things out here so that if something happens, we're safe. So you're actually teaching them that. And the same thing is true in that example with the two-year-old and in so many other ways. And then of course, emotionally, because what's happening, like in that little two-year-old example, I'm both helping them to manage the emotion because I'm managing my emotion um, while keeping them safe and and not adding more fear to something that isn't going to be helpful for them.
0: Okay, so 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 that's the first... Level of your four S's to developing a resilient child safe. Now you have safe, seen, sued, and secure. So now we're working on something to keep the child safe and let them understand they're safe. That's very important that they understand that, right? That they are safe.
1: Okay. that they are safe, a predictable there's predictable care that creates a sense of safety physically and emotionally. And then, of course, we move on to scene. and so what the heck does scene mean? All right Scene again, it's about it's really about that we're paying attention to them. I mean, okay. the children come into this world and it, again, I, I I often use like two or three year olds because there's they're so much freer at that space. They haven't started to be tainted by school and other things sometimes it happens right if you think about a delightful little three-year-old that there's a whole bunch of adults sitting in the front room area there's a little party going on and a little three-year-old you know is so excited because she's got a new little dress and she comes down and she twirls around and she has a delightful time and and what should happen is that the adults should pay attention to that Right. Now, that doesn't mean that she gets to take up the whole conversation or everything. Right. But, but there is a sense of what you are doing, what you are creating, who you are. I am seeing you. And so that's what we want to do both physically. So that's why, like, you know, as as we get older, parents coming to our baseball games or our, you you know, gymnastics tournaments or, you know, piano recitals or whatever that the parents see us but it's also about seeing us in the inside in our inside world so if if we have a a, you know if a child comes home and they didn't get the best grade on something and they're really sad about it being able to to come alongside them and we'll talk about this because that's the other thing with the soothing but they you've seen is that you actually see their inside world you go wow, I bet you that really makes you feel sad or that really makes you feel mad.
0: Okay, so it sounds like being seen has a lot to do with just a recognition of the individual. Um, I know as a child, when they're real young and I'm just thinking out loud, they are not yet invested in themselves. They are not yet the most important person in their world. Mommy and daddy probably are. Yes. So if mommy yes. and daddy are ignoring the child. That's gonna be detrimental to the child's welfare, their mental health and their outbearing and the family relationship so so when you say being seen we want to recognize their their physical presence but also their emotional and mental presence
1: yes that's exactly right that's what being seen means okay
0: and so are there little tools and tricks that we can do for that? Let's say the child might be a little introverted and is not wanting to be seen. How can mm-hmm. we sort of pull? You know, you know who I'm talking about, I'm sure. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What's really interesting, right, is because even if they're introverted, which is very true, they may not want to be be doing twirling out in front, Right. Um, but they may be in the corner somewhere and they're playing with their Legos, right? Or something like that. And and it's still about when as you walk by and you see them and you go, Wow, look at what you built. That's so amazing, right? That's what creates that that scene sense when they do come home with their you know, they're drawing from school and you put it up on the refrigerator. Those are all ways that starts to build that, oh, look at I I I do have a I do I am I have an impact on the world and the people around me. I am significant, I am important.
0: So you some know, sort I of positive reflection, some positive reinforcement that recognizes the child's pure existence is good exactly. for the child, right? Exactly. Okay, cooks. can we take that to a negative side? I've known I've seen some families where all they see is the bad thing the child's doing, and Mm -hmm. that's all they reinforce. How can we like avoid that? I mean, I understand that it comes from our and culturalization the way we were raised,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but where's that deep understanding that we can dig out within ourselves to realize it's not the thing to keep passing on in the generations?
1: Yeah. And, and when we, we talk later about that, the, you know, at the end, the family leadership and what what my you know, what I have to offer them and everything, because you have to really know about your own parenting and what happens so that you can do it better. Right. Um, see, there a lot of times that comes from thinking that you're helping the child to be better. Right. But the statistics and the research clearly shows, uh, you know, there's there was a saying you know, yes several years ago in this classroom about catch them being good idea, right? Getting the right. teachers to to praise. Statistically, what we know is that children to thrive, right and this is what we're talking about, happiness, success, resiliency for children to thrive is what what they really need is a five to one ratio. No,
0: so really, find the one positive. explain
1: that no that's some courage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background it's really really fascinating um uh john gottman who's an expert in couples therapy did some research and was looking at it and discovered that couples when they're uh the way that they have more what he called the masters of marriage the way they have more successful relationships is that they have? They actually have a 20 to one ratio where they're constantly uh, thanking each other and, and appreciating what the other person does and everything else to every one little grump or irritation. Okay. But in the conflict, the couple has a five to one. Research was then expanded to say, well, how does this affect kids? and they went in and the the same thing was true so for children children thrive in and this was in the classroom setting but children thrive it builds their self-esteem it builds their sense of themselves when there is five positive reinforcements to everyone correction right because we do have to correct kids i'm not saying we don't correct kids (laughs) Um, but so that five to one and interestingly the research went into the workplace too, that five and one stood in the workplace as well. So as human beings, we need the positive, we need the praise to help build our sense of ourselves. So
0: so what I hear you saying is, uh, give them five, love them five times before you correct them once.
1: Something like that. <laughs> okay, that
0: sounds cool. I, I like yeah. that. So, so let's go to soothed. I mean, it seems like by giving them that love over the correction, they're gonna be fairly soothed, but is that something a little different?
1: It is a little bit different. So, the soothing, you know, and the big picture is really knowing um, that you're going to be there for them. Even when they're hurting, even when stuff is difficult, even when stuff is hard, that you're still gonna be there for them. And a lot of the soothing, it doesn't mean that we jump in and we rescue them, right? That's not what we're talking about, because that's not gonna help them to learn and and build their own skills in life. But it does mean that when I when I'm at my worst, when I've screwed up, <laughs> you know, when I've messed up, when I've made a mistake, right? Uh, you're still going to be there for me or when I'm having a hard time and hurting because of something that happened to me you're still going to be there mm-hmm. so the soothing gets much more to the really it's to those moment-to-moment interactions in the hard times And, and so it's that ability, you know, if I go to like a two year, you know, two year old that has a, you know, their little temper tantrums, which they do, because they're trying to figure out themselves. And if in the midst of their, their two year old, is having a temper tantrum and they're like, I I wanted that cookie and you didn't let me have that cookie and I hate you, mommy. Right. When, when we're doing that, right. If as a parent, and this creates both the safe and the scene and then the soothe, right. If I don't know my own stuff, and I get upset, and I react, right, by yelling at them, and it's like, how can you say that? I'm your mother, and I do everything for you, blah, 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 blah. and I react to them. That has the negative impact. They don't feel safe. Um, They definitely are not seen, and they're not feeling soothed in that space, versus a parent. I'm not saying we can, nothing is perfect. We don't ever have to be perfect in parenting, which is a dang good thing, but Instead, if as a parent, I'm like, oh, I know it's so disappointing that you can't have that cookie right now. That's really frustrating. Hey, I see those Legos over there. Let's go play Lego right now. Right? So I stay with them and I, I soothe them. I don't correct them or, or shame them or discipline them. I stay with them in those moments. And oh, then sorry. I get...
0: You do i think that. a lot of parents kind of forget that that little child doesn't have the same reasoning factor and they're working more on emotion than intellect and yeah. unfortunately the parent sometimes responds back with that emotion and not thinking that well they talk back to the child like they think they're an adult or something so it's not productive so yeah. so what i see or hear you saying in the soothing aspect is simply letting the child know you have them you have their yeah. back you understand them you're with them and just through your actions and your purpose, you are showing and demonstrating you love them, you care for them, no matter what's going on.
1: Exactly. And it's it really has a lot. This definitely has to do with the emotional supporting piece, right? So there's, there's a helping them to name their, because exactly what you just said, they don't, they're still figuring out how to manage their emotions when they're younger. So we're even helping them by naming their feeling in the moment, right? right? we're helping them uh, by being able sometimes to empathize and articulate what may be going on for them we're we're helping them by sometimes validating it's like gosh that makes sense i'd probably feel that way too right so all of that is the way that we soothe them in the hard times and Mm -hmm. that a little tip here is because again remember i said as parents we are not perfect we're not perfect. We don't have to be perfect. <laughs> but one of the other ways, and we'll get to this with the next one, which is the secure attachment, but it fits with soothing. You know what, when I blow it and I come back and I apologize to you because I blew it, right? That's actually teaching them, oh, I don't have to be perfect either. I can blow it sometimes, but we're still okay. Well,
0: that sounds fantastic. So Okay, okay, so we got this one more item here, secure. So we've got this four items. We've got your safe scene, suit, and secure. So what does that mean? Because it sounds like we've got the security going on in all the three of those.
1: And really the way that this works is is the safe scene and sooth when you do that consistently you actually now because it's happening over and over again and you're creating the beautiful resilient mind you are now creating that secure attachment so it really is the combination of those three but the consistency of that that name that now can trust me there's a predictability as that safe, you know, s- you know, presence, you know, and soothing parent. So the security then comes. And what's so amazing about the secure attachment, and this is exactly what, where that resilient mind, where the happiness and success comes from, is because now what we've created in them is the ability now within themselves to be able to create safety within themselves, to see themselves and value themselves, and to know how to themselves because in that this, this consistent secure a predictable relationship they now know how to do it within themselves and that's what builds you know self-esteem and so many amazing other things for children
0: so if if someone who's listening to this chat we're having right now recognizes within themselves that maybe they could step up a little bit in these aspects. What can they do about that now? Is there any anything available to them right now that they yeah, can absolutely. use or do they have to go hunt something down?
1: <laughs> yeah, so this kind of fits into some of what, you know, you talk about with leadership or in this case, we're talking about family leadership, right? right. There are some things that they can do and even if they've kind of messed up up until this point, but for children at, at pretty much any age, you know, there's things you can start to do. And the thing that's amazing about ch- children are so forgiving in, in many, many ways. And so when you start to learn something new and do things differently and you actually acknowledge that, it's like, oh, mommy hasn't always done this well. or Mommy's learning this or daddy's learning this. Um, and you start to do it differently, That can actually have a positive influence on the children as well because then you're actually teaching them that you can grow and change and and, you know, do things different, and they can too. So that really does fit into the, you know, kind of this the how do you become a great family leader, okay right? and and that is the first thing is, and I touched on this a little bit, but you actually do have to have awareness. Of what you grew up with and so this is the the answering that question take the time I don't care whether you you know find a good journal and start to journal about it whether you work with a therapist like me whether you whatever you need to do but take the time to really understand and go back into what how you were parented because how you're parented whether we like it or not (laughs) we repeat it and so we can break those patterns when we take to ha- take the time to have our own self awareness oftentimes when i when I sit with parents to do some parenting stuff or I've been working with a child and then you know work with the parents, I will spend time and kind of ask them, "Well, tell me a little bit about how you were parented and then i'll ask well and and how did that?" type of parenting work for you (laughs) what was good about it what was not good about it right so when you take that time to be be responsible to become self-aware of that and then you can make the better choices, right? And then that kind of leads into my the the gift that I have for them, Um, because there's three things as a as a therapist that I do when I work with adults, but definitely in these the, the parents is this: you have to have that self awareness. You've got to dig deep enough to understand, ah, oh, that reaction or that trigger or angriness comes from this, or my demand that kids have to respect me or whatever else that. comes from this right we start to make those connections so then you have more choices so self-awareness is one of the things that i talk about in in my gift but then we have to learn how to control ourselves that's you know this is what we're talking about kids right but we have to be able to know how to we have to manage our emotions first and so when we know where sometimes our, our emotions are coming from and we know how to You know, there's so many different, you know, calming techniques. Or let me just excuse myself to the bathroom right now, which I tell a lot of people. Just give me just a moment. I've got a
0: phone call to make. Yeah,
1: exactly. But instead of staying in the space and reacting, that is going to, you know, have some, you know, small trauma reactions to poor child, right? Let me walk away and let me go, Mommy, Mommy needs to take a time out right now.
0: (laughs) You know, it's interesting you bring this up. I've been watching it. There's a, a, fairly recent commercial about becoming your parent and that some way we are becoming our parents because that's all we know and and i'm thinking that no matter how old we get and i've got a couple days behind me we still have that inner child inside of us that we we would like to be loved and seen and soothed and seen yeah
1: absolutely yeah and, and that's why oh sorry daniel go ahead well, i was just
0: gonna say and that's why people like you are in this role to help us figure this out
1: yeah that, that yes and that's that's why it becomes so important that you do have a safe space where you can look back and and figure this stuff out because i mean i I have certainly heard my mother's words, you know, words come fly out of my mouth. I'm sure you have. I'm sure, you know, the listeners do too, right? We do. We bring our past into our present. We bring it into how we parent. The two places we bring it in in the most, right, is our closest relationships, how we parent and with our significant other. Right. And so when when you become aware of it and then you know how to go, oh, wait. I'm not in a good space. Let me go to the bathroom. Let me take a time out. you know, let me <laughs> close my mouth and and, you know, calm myself down first then we're able to come around and do things different and better and and then the last piece you know that's that i i always talk a little bit about is there is a time and a space to speak up effectively right All and right, that's oh of what we're yeah we're talking about we want our children to be able to do that when i was saying help them to to identify their their feelings right when, when we can say, and I teach this to young children all the time, you know, there's the big fancy communication, uh, I statement that we all know about, but we don't do. But with children, it really is, I feel and I need, right? I'm feeling scared, I need the light left on. I'm feeling sad, I need a hug, right? It, it's those simple things, and yet even adults don't know how to do that well. And how are you going to teach and help your children to do that well if you don't know how to do that well?
0: That's quite true. We only know what we know. And there's ways for us as we get older to change that nine-year-old brain to make it better. And speaking of, you mentioned that you have a free gift for people who are listening to this. And you call it the how to stop being your own worst enemy. So why am I being my own worst enemy? I love me. I'm not going to be my own worst enemy. I'm going to do everything I can to do me. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> I know I love yeah the reason why I named that that is it cuz it fits exactly with what we're talking about right here we if we are not aware of of our past and of you were even talking about that little kid inside of us that still wants to be loved or still wants to be, you know, valued or what if we're not aware that that still is playing in us and playing out in all of our relationships, right. then then we will keep behaving in ways that make things worse for ourselves, yeah. right?
0: because we don't know any better
1: we exactly that's exactly right
0: so according to what you told me we can find this if we go to masteringyourresults.com and for those of you listening we're going to have this somewhere down on this page here somewhere it's going to be to the left the right the top bottom. i don't know it's going to be in here it's going to be with all the information about deborah how to contact deborah speaking of deborah how would we get a hold of you if we wanted to
1: Yes, you can reach out to me at deborah at deborah And oh, How simple
0: can that be? I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that's your email, deborah at com. Cool. All right, Deborah. So we've discussed a lot of stuff about keeping our children safe, about raising a a powerful young individual to let loose on the world because that's going to happen someday. So is there anything that we haven't talked about? Have we glossed over anything or ignored something, or is there something that's popped up while you were talking, you'd like to speak on?
1: You know, I think we've covered it all. The whole goal of all of this is, is that we can help create happy successful resilient healthy brain you know children when we are really aware of you know the 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 what we talked about the safe the scene and the soothe we create that secure attachment and i will really say um if you did not have the secure attachment growing up in your so i'll add this if you didn't have the secure attachment growing up in your childhood which sadly not not everyone does right that make sure you go find find a therapist find a coach find someone that you because it all starts with our first connections and that's why this the parenting piece we're talking about so if you didn't get that you still can have that and create that within yourself and when you create that within yourself you are going to be so much of a better parent and create this for your children
0: sounds fantastic debbie All right, so I'm so happy that you came with us today. You have such valuable information, and I know somebody out there is listening to it. They're going to be able to take charge of it, grab it, and do something wonderful with it. So everybody out there, this is Daniel with the Emergency Action Planning Broadcast. um, Deborah Moorhead, who's just a wonderful individual who wants your children to be safe and secure. Debbie, thank you for coming on. And I look forward to seeing some of the wonderful things you're going to be doing in the future.
1: Thank you, Daniel.
0: All right. That's it. Goodbye, folks. Bye. Hello there. Thank you for watching. Be sure to like, comment, share, and take advantage of our limited time special offer at www.eapready.com.